Let me just do a quick prayer before we go into, uh, I won't do a full word, but just, just want to share some things with you tonight. So Father, I pray right now, if anybody in here has not said an unconditional yes, that right now is the night that they say an unconditional yes. If you don't even know Jesus in this place, you can know Him. Um, all you got to do is say, Jesus, I want you in my heart. I give you my life. I will live for you the best that I know how. Not will we do it perfectly, but you just invite them in. It's as simple as that. If you want, if you did that and, and you want us to tell somebody, come up to me or Jason afterwards. But the unconditional yes is where he's at right now. Not the conditional yes. Not the yes that when everything goes good. You are more than enough. And so, in Jesus' name, we say that. Amen. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, the Lord said, Will you love me and sacrifice for me to the same level that I loved and sacrificed for you? Now, I'm not God and I don't... He knows I can't do it to that same level because His love is so deep. But that's where we're going. Mike, if you'll put up just that message slide. We started last week. We'll continue some today. We'll continue some in the future. Uh, just four things that I want to share for this year, prepare for 2024. We talked a lot about last week, prepare for war. I'm going to bounce around between all these. I'm not one of those teachers that's going to get through all four points tonight. I sort of just start with something, figure out the emphasis, and then when time is up, I stop. And then we pick it up next week. But these are things that's, that's happening this year. There's a war being set up. What's the war? I'm not talking a physical war. It is a clash of kingdoms between those who follow King Jesus and those who follow themselves. Hopefully you're not following King Satan, but when you follow yourself, you do put yourself on the opposite side. And we talked about that a lot. You can, if you want to listen to it, we've got a YouTube channel, podcast. It's on Rumble. It's on the website. You can go back and we'll pick it up at different times. But I want to pick up the second one. Eventually, probably won't get there today. I just want to say, you were created, on the third one, just in passing, you were created for a purpose. You were created to live for something that you're willing to die for. Let me say that again. You were created to live for something that you'll die for. And we're not, I was going to talk about that tonight, but listening to him talk, we're going to jump to the second one. Prepare for a person. Now that person is Jesus. We are seeing churches shifting and simplifying from programs to Jesus is enough. I heard an interviewer that's, um, uh, it was, uh, Michael Koulianis of Jesus Image. He was asked to be on a national TV channel. Christian TV channel, and they asked him, said, we got 30 minutes here. What are you going to talk about? And he said, Jesus. And the guy goes, that's not enough to fill up 25 minutes. He goes, if you know the Jesus I know, we're just going to get started. And so I just want to introduce it a little bit because in many ways we've missed the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus is enough. Um. Let me share this. You hear here. Boy, that's a play on words, isn't it? You've heard here. This is a little easier. And you're hearing it more and more at different places because the Holy Spirit's doing the same thing. 
of the presence of God. Have you ever heard that word? The Lord showed me recently, he said, presence is okay, but there's a better word. And I said, what? He said, use the word person of Jesus. So if Sandy and Johnny, I go to Taco Bell with them, I'm in their presence. They're in my presence. But really, it's about the person of Johnny and the person of Sandy. And in some ways, it just made it closer to me. Instead of just asking for His presence, which is legit, I say, Jesus, I want your person. I want you. See how it sort of changes it and moves it more into intimacy, more closer. And now I want to talk about that word intimacy because we throw that out, and especially for older guys like me, it's sort of an intimidating word. You know, if you grew up in the generation I grew up, I'm 63, we were told not to show emotions. My parent, my dad was even worse. My grandfather was even worse. My dad was a, a general contractor, commercial con, and his dad was a coal miner. I mean, these are tough guys. My grandfather, the stories he used to tell about being a coal miner in Kentucky and in Tennessee and somebody gets their thumb cut off because there's no safety rules. There was no OSHA back then. And then they just wrap it up and have to be back at work the next day or they're fired. That's tough, buddy. And so they, they, they just couldn't afford emotions. But God made us with emotions. Now, I'm not one of these weepy, crying people. Don't get weird on me. When you talk about the bride of Christ, that's a word you use a lot. It's a metaphor. Don't get... All of us are the bride, one bride. We're Jesus' wife. We're Jesus' bride. Now, don't get weird. We're not talking about any sexual thing here. We're not talking about any... But that shows how close He wants to be with you. And this year, it's, I mean, it's already happening. You're going to see it growing. He's saying, I want to show you that I know you. When he was on the cross, this is Craig's belief, when he was on the cross, he was there, and we've always taught that when he was on this, we picked a rugged cross. You know, a lot of churches have real nice looking crosses, and that's okay, but years ago we had somebody made it. We had a service where we actually pulled that thing down. People nailed their sins. Some of the nails are still up there. Had a little red paint brush that they would say it was covered over. And it was covered with little pieces of paper. And I like sort of the ruggedness of it. Because that's the, but while he was up there taking care of your sins, I'm telling you, it was something driving more than saving you from hell, more than saving you, he's saying, I want to know them. I created them because I like them. I created them this way. Created them tall. I created them short. I created them in this part of the world, in that part of the world. I created them to be born in 1960 or 2010. And I can't wait to get to know them. And that's what drove him on. That's how he wants to know you. And there's something in each of you that wants to be known unconditionally. There's something in each of you that wants to... And and most people have never experienced love without something required of you. Most of you have never experienced love unconditionally or haven't experienced love without performance. How many of you grew up with a parents or a guardian that, man, you worked your butt off. Maybe they didn't love you, but you didn't. There was some approval there. They didn't harass you. But if you didn't, They harassed you. 
And I'm telling you, that's not right. And Jesus loves you unconditionally. Now, He'll take you on a walk to bring you into your purpose that will blow your mind. Well, I need to work for God to get His approval. No, forget that. You will never be able to pay off your debt. You hang with Him. Now, He'll ask you to do stuff. Why? Because He's changing the world. And He says, I'm going to invite you into what I'm doing to help change the world. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And so the word intimacy, you're going to hear it more and more in the church. He wants to be intimate with you. We're not talking about some kind of physical union. We're not talking about what's between man and wife. Just get that out of your head. But that is a word that's being used a lot. Now, let me tell you, so I'm a real conceptual person, but also a real practical person. I'm sitting over here that's not real in touch with my emotions, doing what I'm trying to do, and I hear that word is sort of... The word intimacy is sort of intimidating. Let me tell you a practical way to get into intimacy with God. We talked about the secret place. This is a great way. To, I'm just telling you a practical way that you don't have to be floating on the clouds and experience the glory. Just a practical way. And this is what I do. If you'll do this, you'll end up inviting the person, preparing for a person into your life. And I'm telling you, you'll experience a difference. How he interacts with you will be different than somebody else. How he interacts with Jason will be different from me than it'll be different with Jan, being different with, with Dahlia. Why? Because he created you unique. He knows how you think. He knows your, your, everything about you and he'll relate on. But this is what I do. It may not work for you, but if you don't have a way, you go, I want to get closer to him. I want to be in the secret place. I want to walk into intimacy. Let me tell you what I do and then try it. If it doesn't work, then he'll show you. I, there's some, so what I do, there's something powerful with the name of Jesus and not as a cuss word. And so just, I almost always start my day in the morning, and I'm doing this while I'm getting dressed, okay? Turn off the podcast, turn off the music. Uh, if, if, if you got a spouse, maybe don't say it real loud that you wake them up if they're still asleep or a baby or kids. But I just do this, and I go, Jesus. And then I pause. A pause is a big key, because you're, you're letting the words sink in. You're giving Him time to speak back to you. And I'll, I'll just go, Jesus. And I sort of think about, what would he look? I've never seen him in person. I've had him actually touch me before. I felt him come into my room and put his hand on me and sit beside me and put his leg like this. That was bizarre. Cool. Unexpected. Some people have seen him. That makes it easier. But I just say, Jesus. See, everybody can do this. And then I usually say something like... uh uh, no, that was, is I'll go, Jesus, you are beautiful. And then pause. And I'll just say, Jesus, you are so beautiful. Don't ask him for anything. Talk about him. And as you're getting ready, just say, Jesus. Now, this is the new word I've been using the last couple of weeks. It changes. I'll just say, Jesus, you are amazing. And then pause. Don't get in a hurry. You can even feel his presence in here now, can't you? Just saying that. There's just something about the name of Jesus in pausing. 
If you'll do that three, four, five, if you're in a bad mood, maybe you have to do it more. But you'll get to the place, you can just say it once, Jesus. And the past memories of Him coming in, come in. And whatever you've experienced before, you're guaranteed you can experience in the future. Well, I've never done that. Just try it. Get silent. Get wherever you want it, won't. And then you can start doing that once you start practicing in the secret place. This means a quiet place in your recliner or somewhere. If you start there, then you can start doing it all day long. If it's a stressful day, you know, if you're a truck driver, don't take your eyes off the road. But if you're having a stressful day, you can start repeating that Jesus. Because you've developed a pattern. That's all there is. There's no magic formula. You don't have to get in a certain position. Just name the name of Jesus because He died for what's happening. He looks forward to those invitations. Um, and so that's what I mean by preparing for a person. If you walk in this, I'm telling you the door is open. Let me talk about that for a little bit. Um, So, if you understand this metaphor, if you understand this model, you understand this analogy about a bride, about one body, that's another word for the bride. In this room, we're part of the bride. When you start understanding that, you'll see it is all through scriptures. He is wanting to be close to you more than you know. Now, this is the challenge for humans. Most of us do not... We want the hand of Jesus. We want the blessings of Jesus. But we don't want His heart. We don't want to get that close because we're scared. As we say in North George, scared. (laughs) We are, aren't we? And it's not a guy-girl thing. Girls are just as much as guys. Why? Because of woundings in the past. We've moved and gotten close to other people and they've hurt us when we bared our soul. I mean, we... Most of us have always been there. And so we think Jesus is going to do the same thing and we can't, we can't be hurt like that. We don't want to be hurt like that. So what I have found is to go to Jesus and say something like this. I'm just going to close my eyes, use this as a model. Jesus, because I've done this. There's this crazy guy that said, you want to be close to me, but I'm not sure I want to be close to you. Be honest with him. I'm not sure I can trust you, Jesus. I want to help my want to to trust you. It says, seek ye and you will find me. I guarantee you he will never break your heart. And as you move in this direction, he will start healing your heart from the wounds that happened before. Because people do hurt each other. I get that. That's a whole other subject, how to get over that. But He will never hurt your heart. Don't allow the wounds and the hurts from the past to keep you from the, the joys of walking with Him. He will never betray you. He will never abuse you financially. He will never abuse you emotionally. He will never abuse you physically. He is a good God. And I just and I, this last year was 50 years for me of walking with the Lord. And I've abandoned him a bunch. I've ignored him a bunch. I've been indifferent to him a bunch of years. Uh, just through ignorance, through rebellion, through I wanted to do my own thing. But every time I came back and I said Jesus, he was instantly there. 
Somehow or another, he didn't get offended at me or he knew how to handle it. So he knows what betrayal is. He knows what rejection is. And it will help you get through it. You're, you're, the best thing you can inherit in the world is a person whose name is Jesus and who's the bride. Now, I'm going to get a little theological on you for the next five or ten minutes. Hopefully, you can hang with me. For those that, that maybe you don't appreciate it, we'll move off the surf, the, the, the message. But those that do, you'll see a pattern if, if you study the, the Bible a lot. Remember I said you see the bride all through the Bible. We'll just take one example. After Adam and Eve sinned, it says in Genesis 3, they sinned, they rejected God, chose their own way. Might have been good. They ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can go back and read the first three chapters. But it wasn't the tree of life. If you choose good but not life Him, it still breaks off that relationship with Him. When, this is the hard thing about Christianity. When you give your life to the Lord and say, yes, you're now going to follow what He says, not what seems good. And that's where the life is. But they chose what they, they wanted to choose. Instead of choosing Him and Him, you'll always get life. And I know there's a lot to think there. Holy Spirit, bring it back to our minds during the week as we need it. They went and hid behind some trees or bushes or something. They found some big leaves and hid it over their private parts because now their natural stuff. Before that, they were closed with the glory of the Lord. And it says in Genesis 3 that the presence, the person of God walked through the garden. And they hid from Him. Think of that. This plot today. If Jesus walks in this room, we can all see Him. Hopefully not, but statistically, yes. There's going to be some of us head out the door. Why? Because 100% of his people did. There's only two. But two of them headed out the door. That's 100%. That's heavy math, but I did go to the 8th grade. Well, why do we often run from the presence of God? Because we hide our shame, hide our private parts, hide our darkness, hide those places that that we didn't say yes to from the person of God and we don't want to give them up or don't know how to give them up. So many people don't want to be, they'll hear you talk about God, hear you sing about God, but if this person actually comes in, we're not hanging here because the, the glory from Him is so strong and I don't know what to do. Most people don't run from God on purpose, they run from God from hurt or ignorance. So what I, I challenge you to do is start doing like what I did earlier. Jesus, you're beautiful. Jesus, you're amazing. Then when shame comes up, a lot of it's regret. How many of you ever deal with regret? A lot of regret will often come up or memories of abuse will come up. Don't run, don't hide because what that does is pushes us down and we start filling ourselves with dark places and black places and places that we try to forget. But you know, those things bubble up at the wrong time and say, Jesus, I want to get close to you, but right now I just don't feel qualified. I'm having to deal with this. He will start showing you. Thoughts will come to your mind. Impressions will come to your mind. Things will start coming to you that he'll start say, well, have you thought about this? Or have you dreamed about this? And he'll start touching them like a way only he can touch you. 
And it'll start freeing you. And then you'll start wanting to get a little closer to him and run towards him because you realize, yeah, he sees this stuff that's hidden behind the, the leaves, metaphorically. Are y'all following me? Is this too vague? See, he, he has a vision for you of being a whole, W-H-O-L-E person, spirit, soul, and body. Well, how do you get whole? My gosh, we've all been looking to get whole. We drug ourselves, sometimes because we need to, but sometimes, I mean, I'm a type 2 diabetic, so I take some medicines for that. But sometimes we take medicines to hide those parts that we can't figure out how to get whole on. Well, keep taking the medicine till you don't need to take the medicine. I'm not saying stop. But he'll eventually start showing you things and doing things. And you go, all right, where did that depression go? Where did that discouragement go? Where did that anxiety go? As we know from scriptures, a person of Jesus is peace. So Christianity is simply practicing the simplicity of the gospel, which is hanging in his presence. It's that simple. I could preach on that every week. Preach on that. If, I'm not going to be on any national TV shows, but you can see how this goes on further. But you see this picture all the way back then. What did he say? What were the, when, when they were hiding behind the bushes, hiding behind the leaves, these are the three most important words that the father said to them that is echoed across thousands of years of humanity. And you'll see these same, maybe not the exact same words, but the same concept all through 66 books of the Bible. You might want to shout out what the three words were. No condemnation. He knew where they were. No judgment. No guilt. He said, my heart is broken. I created these guys to fellowship with. I created these guys for me to flow with them and, and um, me, to flow, me to flow with them and them to flow with me. And then he knew it was broken. He wasn't trying to send them to hell because he didn't send them to hell. He said, and he says it today to you as an invitation. Where are you? So get up in the morning or at night if you're a night person or in the middle of the day if you're a middle of the day person and go, I am here. I don't really even know what I'm doing. You will eventually if you keep doing it. Just say, I am here. And then pause. And in your mind, imagine being with him. You'll see this all the way through scriptures. Let me give two more examples and then we'll uh, probably stop. Do you feel the passion of Jesus calling you now? I'm telling you, it's a better life. And when you know the person, it's second on purpose. It's second on purpose. Before purpose, the third point. Because your purpose comes out of a person. There's a war over this. That's why that's first. It's a clash of kingdoms. God's kingdom versus Satan's kingdom. But there, there, it's, it comes out of a per- person. So many ministers are some of the most messed up human beings on the planet. Christian ministers. I'm a minister, so I'm talking about myself. We get our identity from what we do. And we go after the purpose of ministry first. 
And most of us don't know the person. I mean, we're saved. But we're moving out of what we think is important, because that's what they've told us in the church, instead of getting our assignment from Him. Let me look, do this one quote before I do those two examples. That's why I don't do PowerPoints. I was speaking to another church this morning. They said, do you have a PowerPoint? I said, are you kidding me? I can't do two points in a row. <laughs> that's okay. That's why God created me. I actually tried to change and follow PowerPoints, and it was a disaster. <laughs> Had the little nice click through. Mike knows. He's been with me for the whole time. Here's a quote by Joseph Matera. It's a great quote on purpose and priorities. Listen to this. It's pretty wordy. He is an empty shell of a man who is a, who has activity without clarity. Movement without meaning. Passion without purpose. And a life lived without love. How do you get clarity? How do you get meaning? How do you get passion? By being with a person. Well, that's too easy. Well, it's not as hard as you think. And so, your purpose, the best way I can guide you into your purpose is say, spend time in the secret place. The secret place is where you get your purpose. It's where you get your priority. Do not copy Craig because my purpose is different than you. And as you follow him, he will show you this is how I created you before the foundation of the world. We know from John 1 that he created you. So in those quiet times, he'll go, you know why I created you, Sean? You know why I created you, Gary? I've been trying to figure that out. And he goes, yeah, how's that working out for you? Hang with me and I'll show you how I was created. Those two last two verses. Um, So you see the concept of a Hebrew. So let me back up. The Hebrews, which were the Jews, did weddings different than we do. This is how it generally worked. If a, if a, a guy wanted to marry a girl, the father made the deal. Sometimes the father even picked out the girl. The father would either go himself or send a representative, if he was real rich, and go to the girl's house and not even talk with a girl, maybe some, but talk with the father and say, can we work something out here? Does your daughter want to marry my son? It's a little different than what it is now, right? And then if they said yes, the father worked out a dowry, which is a fancy word for a price, for the girl. And if the girl happened to be married a rich boy, yahoo, the father was happy. Okay, at least on the monetary thing. So the father would work out with the father a price for the woman. Then they sealed the deal with a glass of wine. And the price was paid. And then the young man will go off for sometimes up to a year, make a house, get ready, make money, do whatever, all the stuff you got to do to get married. And then he would come back 
back at an unexpected time. They didn't have text messages back then. They would come back at an unexpected time. And I'm closing with this illustration. Come back at an expected time and knock on her door and she didn't exactly always know when he was coming back. But she had to get herself ready, all the stuff you have to do to get ready, so that when he knocked at the door, she said, I'm ready. Then they'd go, have the wedding, and they had big weddings, seven days, buddy. Lots of feasts, lots of food. I don't have enough vacation days if several of my friends get married, but that's a cool idea. That's a good story, isn't it? Now that you know that story, you can understand some of the things Jesus did better because we didn't grow up in a Hebrew context. We're not a Hebrew culture. What do you mean, Craig? The communion, if you've been around church at any length of time, we all have taken communion. It's often portrayed as what He did for our salvation. Gave His body, gave bled out His blood. But that's a very low-level base understanding of it. That did happen. But it's much bigger than that. So follow me. If you don't believe me, that's fine. Maybe I'm wrong. The Father set up that situation because the Father God's job is to get a bride for His Son. You're that bride. And at the Last Supper, the communion... He wasn't negotiating for salvation. He was negotiating for a bride. That's why Jesus said, take this wine. You know where I'm going. We're going to seal this deal for a bride. The dowry, the price he had to pay for a bride was death. Now that's an intense price. Yes, you got salvation. But he wasn't buying salvation on the cross. That was a part of it. But he was buying a bride. Now, if you jump over to Revelation 3.20, and this is the second example, all the way to Revelation, from Matthew, the first book about the crucifixion, to Revelation, the last one. He's saying to the church of Ephesus in in chapter 2 of Revelation, and we'll just leave it there. I mean, I can tell you the passage if you want to look it up, but... Revelation 2, verse 1, and the next seven verses. No, I'm sorry, that's the wrong passage. Revelation 3.20. It's that famous verse. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. We often use this, this is a salvation verse, and you can use it. God's gracious. God will use anything, but this is not a salvation verse. He's speaking to the church at Ephesus. He is speaking to Christians that were on the outs, that were not intimate with Him, that were hiding behind the door. It's The, the metaphor is this, and they got it because of their culture. I won my bride at the cross, and I have been gone preparing a place for you. I now stand at the door and knock. You getting this? And he's saying to Christians, you're saved, but do you want to sit and be intimate with me and have dinner with me? Back then, the sup 
or the dinner or eat with me was not a fast food through McDonald's. It was an all-night thing. Have you ever been to the Middle East? The closest I've been to the Middle East was Turkey, and there were restaurants there where there was no chairs. It was The table was about two feet high, and you had pillows all the way around. That's how it was in the Hebrew culture. Personally, I hated it, but I'm an American, and I like chairs. But that's what they did. They would relax around it and take all night. And he's saying, do you want to just be a Christian that's saved, that you sort of ask him to bless you every once in a while, or do you want to be my bride? If so, answer this door that's being knocked because you've been preparing yourself as a bride and let me come in. You can meditate on that. That's cool. That's good. So there are Christians that are saved, but they have said no to intimacy and said no to certain things in their life because they want to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and not life. But this group is not going there. We're going to say yes. We say we want more than just church programs. We want more than just church meetings where we stand up, wave flags because we're charismatics and and move around and dance because we're Pentecostals. Those are good. Do all those things. But I don't want to just do those things. I want to actually enter into closeness with Him because the win is not salvation. The win is Him. Let's stand. I'm going to pray over you guys. Now, at the end of prayer, if, if Mike or Sean or John or somebody just do some background music. You're, so what we do here, you're welcome to hang around as long as you want. It's a Sunday night. We're not in a hurry. Western Sizzling's closed, I think, by now. And uh, just community. If you need prayer for any kind of sickness or healing, come on up here to the, the drum stage and well, we'll and uh, there will be a group of people that pray for you. If you need prayer for something else, we will pray for you. We'll stay here as long as, as you want to because the Lord wants to make you whole. But this is what I'm going to pray now. I don't think anybody walked out, so maybe you're all for this. I am not satisfied with Christianity as it is. I, am, I want to be satisfied with the Christ. Amen? And there's an invitation right now that He's knocking on your door. Some of you already said it, so you don't need to pray this prayer. But there's a there's a knocking on the door. I love salvation. I love going to heaven. I love whatever the principles I apply. But you know, let me tell you this. This is a whole other talk, and I'm probably throwing out too much. The Bible is full of principles. But you know, there's something better than principles. It's a person. And He can actually enable you to do the principles. And so, Father, right now, we just come to You as this group in this room. And we say we are prepared the best we know how for a person. And Jesus, walk walk among us right now. I'm doing, I don't know if I'm doing a good job, but I'm preaching a lot. And in all honesty, I'm not... My, my life doesn't match the preaching, but I'm trying. But we, 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 it says in Song of Solomon 1 4, draw me and we will run after you. And so we, right now, Jesus, Holy Spirit, draw us to you. Show us how to get there. And we start by just saying, Jesus, and we're going to run after you.
worthy. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So Jesus, we just pause right now. And we say thank you that you're knocking on our door. Thank you for the invitation to, to, to what you had in your heart on the cross.